0: Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.
1: Well, good morning, Faith family. I wish I could be with you today, but actually, I'm at my parents' house celebrating their 50th year wedding anniversary with my family, and I'm grateful to be here. Well, listen, this morning is a special morning. We have a special guest that God has used in many different ways and avenues in the body of Christ. But one, he has used this individual to navigate some very difficult times. And he's gonna be ministering to you about today but I would love to introduce them but there's someone that could do a better job who was able to serve with them and work under um, the speaker today and under this organization and so I would like for you to welcome Pastor Mark Davies who's going to come and introduce our speaker today God bless you everybody come on let's give Pastor Mark a big
2: hand as he comes to welcome our speaker good morning everybody Pastor Jason just sent me a text message sending his love and greetings to you He misses you guys and loves you very much. So how many of you guys were deeply encouraged this morning in that time of worship? I mean, that was awesome. We have such a great team here, really excited. I hope you're excited and and ready to be encouraged some more because my good friend Peter is gonna be sharing this morning. And what's fun is I actually got here on staff, I forgot to mention this in my first introduction this morning, I got here on staff because Peter casually mentioned to one of our board members, like, oh, you need somebody? Mark's looking for a job. And that's how I got here is because Peter opened the door for me. I was on staff with him and Linda at Youth of the Mission for 17 years. And that's where I cut my teeth on leadership and did some not so great things and some fun things and great things for the kingdom of God and just so grateful for you guys. You've always demonstrated a beautiful heart for the Word of God and for the nations and for the body to be equipped. So, thank you guys. Would you join me in welcoming them warmly? A faith welcome as they come to the stage, guys. <clears throat> Have fun. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks,
1: Mark. Good day, everybody. How's it going? That means hello in Australian. We've been perfecting the English language in Australia for a long time now, so we're Peter and Linda, and this has been our home church for 33 years. It's great to see some, some of you guys were here back then, and I uh, just want to say thank you for making room for us as YWAM. How many YWAMers do we have here? Okay, woo, there you are. We had a bunch in the first service. Yeah, so tell them about YWAM. What, what is YWAM?
3: Yes. Good morning. So I thought maybe I could demystify this for you a bit. <laughs> for those of you that are newly grafted into the faith family, it's like we, uh, this, this is sort of a little bit like uh, this morning, one of those um, family times when you meet the cousins, right? When you, oh, I haven't seen you for so long, or oh, this is your, the husband or the wife that's now sort of grafted into our family story. And uh, we are uh, full-time workers with Youth with a Mission, And um, Peter and I met in in YWAM in Los Angeles many years ago. Uh, And through a number of circumstances, God led us to come to Denver. Um, Youth with a Mission, though, we are are not the only ones. (laughs) Youth with a Mission is uh, the largest interdenominational missions agency in the world. We have over 20,000 full-time workers currently. Um, in probably 1,500 locations. Our training schools are done in 92 languages. Um, and uh, we are a piece of what Youth with the Mission offers uh, here, just across the street, um, uh, in terms of sort of that backbone that prepares and trains uh, young people to then go and be involved in missions around the world. Sometimes I sort of describe it like a Christian Peace Corps, Because it's really not just about the learning, it's really about the doing, isn't it? It's about both hands of the gospel. And so our students come from many different denominational backgrounds. We have the commonality of the scriptures. And, um, uh, you know, as Christians, the basic disciplines are some of the things we teach and practice, prayer, worship, discipleship, and then traveling for usually eight weeks um, around the world, serving wherever the greatest needs are. And um, we've been gifted to raise our children here. Uh, Several of our our kids are here. Hi. (laughs) Our son-in-law, Andrew, it's his birthday today. He was on the stage here. He plays for you every Sunday. Happy birthday, Andrew. (laughs) Um, But uh, Yeah, we've raised our kids here at Faith, and they've been raised in a missions uh, culture and traveled the world with us. Uh, Sometimes people are like, well, again, the mystery of what happens over there in those big buildings. So um, I like to sort of summarize it like this. We have a hotel. We house up to uh, 75 to 80 in that building. Uh, While they're doing the training it's residential training and then we run a restaurant we feed everybody three meals a day (laughs) and then we have the infrastructure of a Bible college and so we basically accomplish all of that through full-time missions staff that have completed about a year of training with Youth with the mission and then we all raise our own support and are uh, continuing to then take teams around the world. And uh, one of the things I wanted to share with you today is just our need for your ongoing prayers. Uh, We get a lot of questions as well during this season of quarantine as to how do we function when we're basically an international organization that depends on the capacity to cross borders and to take the gospel across borders when these um, borders have been closed. And so um, you know, many of our YWAM centers around the world are really struggling more than we are even here in the States. Um, and uh, we are continuing to do training. Um, Most of our students currently are Americans, Um, but uh, please pray for us. We've had many internationals that have tried to get visas that have had to cancel their plans for training, Um, and our teams are right now focusing on the ministries within the city of Denver uh, all summer long, and uh, we have continued to serve the Dream Center, Denver Rescue Mission, a lot of the food banks, around the city, um, and then as well our traveling teams this uh, December and January will be going throughout the U.S. to city centers, inner city centers that really are uh, reaching out to us for help with refugee communities and also ongoing food and, and housing needs. So we are we are doing what everybody else is doing, just putting one foot in front of the other and continuing to, to serve God in that. So this is, uh, again, our our home, we have a special relationship in that we've been partnering with faith. Um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that uh, we have benefited so much from the generosity of this church. Not only are we sharing facilities, but you know, anytime we have a need, that the church team here has always said, come use our facilities, use our classroom, use this. And, and so we really do feel blessed to just be included in the faith family in that way. And um, thank you for your years of prayers. Those of you that have been with the church for many years know part of the story Peter's gonna share today really is a story that bonded us together in suffering and um, heartache, but as well in um, seeing God's faithfulness. So thank you for your investment and bless you guys.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Mark, for that wonderful introduction. Thank you, honey been married to her for 40 years. She just renewed my contract for another year. So I'm good to go. That's not the way it works, right? I, I told her when we first were first married that I read that uh, Sarah called Abraham my Lord. And so I said, you know, if you wanted to refer to me that way, it'd be fine with me. But anyway, she laughed. She never did until the other day for the first time she did. Can you believe that? I I've said something stupid, and she said, my Lord, Peter, what were you thinking? <laughs> okay, well, on a more serious note, uh, so we have, we've been with faith for 33 years, 20 years into our time here, uh, we had something happen that I would not wish on anyone We had a former student who had backslidden, uh, really was a troubled individual, uh, and some events took place where he decided he wanted to shoot Christians, and he came into our facility. Ours wasn't the only place that he went, but he opened fire with a 9mm semi-automatic pistol shot four of our staff. How many of you were around then, you remember this? Look at that, wow. It was a traumatic experience for all of us, wasn't it? Uh, And two of them died that night. Uh, Phil Krause from Alaska and Tiffany Johnson from Minnesota. Tiffany was the head of our hospitality. For Linda and me, it was especially painful to lose Tiffany. She was very close to our family. She was going to be in one of our daughter's weddings and you know, why, why do things like this happen? How do they happen? How does something like this happen at a Christian ministry, right? Uh, if God was truly just, people reason. Bad things would only happen to bad people. Uh, if God is love, as the scriptures tell us, then why is there so much suffering in the world He created? And we found over the years that that is the main question people have when they encounter tragedy God, why? Why, why would you allow this to happen? And so uh, it put me on a journey that I ended up writing this book uh, called When the Shooting Stopped. And at first, Uh, My plan was to write about the shootings and actually some amazing things that came out from the forgiveness and other things. But then the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. You know how it is when he says, actually, I have something else I want you to do. And the Lord uh, told me he wanted me to talk about all the different types of suffering that occur. And so I began to research this and narrowed it down to 10, 10 sources of suffering And where is God in the middle of them? Uh, For example, our bodies are dying and the planet is dying. The main explanation the Bible puts forth is because of sin. The earth is groaning under the weight of sin. Our bodies are expiring because of sin. I go in to talk about God himself when God said, go and destroy whole villages. I mean, people ask these questions. Some have turned away from God as a result. And so I get into a lot of detail in this, but one of them I'm going to talk to you about this morning which is chapter 7 in my book, and it is the fact that we share the planet with supernatural, invisible beings. There are good ones, angels, but there are principalities and powers in heavenly places. And so... We're going to go through this fairly quickly. Okay, put your seatbelt on. Let's take a deep breath, okay, and plunge first into talking about this. The title of the message this morning is The Battle Behind the Battle. I want to suggest to you that the things that we, we see with these eyes are not the only reality out there. There's actually another reality of what is taking place. There is a battle taking place uh, in the heavenly realm. It's a battle for the minds and hearts of men, women, and children. It's a battle for cities, for nations, for whole nations. And ultimately, it's a battle for the right to rule this world. And the forces in this battle are these invisible, most of the time, beings in Ephesians 6.12, we read, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this. The word age is the word eon in Greek, which is a period of time. Usually when people commit evil acts, it empowers the devil. Now, just realize that God is much greater than the powers of darkness. But we can't ignore the fact that the powers of darkness exist. In this nation... Around this time of the year, because of Halloween, because of evil things that people are watching and doing, it empowers demonic forces. Have you noticed that? You can even just feel it in a greater way. And this is the word age that appears here. And again, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the sky, this heavenly places is not talking about the third heaven where God is. It's not talking about the universe, that's the second heaven, but the sky. In heavenly places, they exist. It's not a physical battle. So the Dominant materialistic world around us. Mainly, we mainly believe out there. Most people believe mainly in the things we can touch and see, but that's not the worldview of the Bible. Okay, there, there is something else going on. And two Corinthians ten five tell sorry ten four tells us the weapons of our warfare. They're not sarkikos is the word. They're not physical in nature. They're not carnal. But they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. In fact, we can't even go into a strong man's house, okay? We're going to talk about this in in a few moments. What is his house? It's anywhere where he is strong, his territory, okay? You can't enter his house and release his captives unless you first bind the strong man. We've learned this in Youth with a Mission as we travel. It's not just about evangelism and missions and learning languages and cultures. We have to do battle in the heavenlies and prayer. And you know what? Linda and I were talking about this earlier. This church has always been known as a pray, praying church. You are prayer warriors. This is so key, okay? And that's where the battle is won. The battle is won on our knees, primarily. So, let me unpack this a little bit more. How did the battle begin? I'm a context person, okay? I like how many of you are context people. You like, okay? So I'm. I've been told I sometimes give too much context. So you, you ask me the time and I give you the history of the watch. Um, I, I won't I won't do that today. I'll just I'll just give context to this from looking at it through the lens of scripture because there are so many lenses, this is the main lens we need to put on. Okay? So let's look at it through the lens of scripture. So we have to kind of piece some scriptures together. So let's go back as far as we can. And let's talk about how this battle began. And why? Why is it on earth? Why has this battle centered on planet earth? So how did the battle begin? Well, let's start out by saying that God created everything. That's very clear. The God of history, the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, okay, he is the living God. He made everything that exists. People go, but, you know, according to Bible chronology, we've only been around 6,000 years. How could God create? um, the, The earth is a lot older than that. Well, yeah, it is. I mean, it could be that other things went on and God hasn't told us about those things. He doesn't have to tell us everything. In fact, there's a lot of things he left out, you know. I mean, if he told us everything, this book would be 500 times this size. God has a hard enough time getting us to read one this big. And so there are things that he's, he's left out from the past. Uh, it's interesting that Genesis 1:2 says the earth was formless and void. The word was in Hebrew is hayata, which means had become formless and void. Maybe there was stuff that went on before. Or maybe, maybe God created the planet old. Couldn't he do that? I mean, I think he creates a little bit more universe every time we invent bigger telescopes. (coughs) Currently, we're at 90 billion light years across, and we haven't got to the end of it. Couldn't he have created the planet already old? I mean, think about it. How old was Adam when he was one day old? He wasn't a baby. God created him as a fully grown man. One day old, he was in the prime of life, somewhere in his 50s or uh, 20s I mean so <laughs> or when jesus performed his first miracle in cana of galilee he changed the water into what what grape uh, wine he changed it into wine but wine takes time to ferment and mature but when it was a few seconds old it was wine right I mean, he could create it that way. I've I, I got to tell you a joke, because I, I told it in the first service, and I don't want you guys to miss out. Okay, so I heard, I heard this, the, of this priest that was driving along the road, and he was kind of meandering, and so the highway patrol pulled him over, and the policeman came up to the, the driver's side window, and he saw that it was a priest, and he said, uh, uh, and then he could, he said excuse me, Father, I, can I smell alcohol? And, and the priest said, No. Uh, And he said, what do you have in that container there? And the priest said, "Uh, it's water. And he said, here, give that to me. So he gives him the container and he pours it out and it's red wine. And he looks at the priest and the priest goes, praise Jesus, he did it again. (laughs) Okay, so... (laughs) uh, God created everything. Colossians 1.16 tells us that he created everything, but his creation is divided into two parts the visible which is the main part that we believe in in our western mindset and culture because we believe mainly in the things we can touch and see but then there's the culture of the Bible and let me tell you from having traveled almost 120 countries this is the main context of people's worldview out there not in our materialistic world but so. but we mainly look at the things that are visible there's a whole other part to God's creation that is not Visible to the naked eye and then the Apostle Paul goes on to talk about four categories of these spirits thrones dominions Principalities and powers these are all different from one another. They have different names But this is the important thing. We have to understand they weren't bad guys to start with because they were created through him and what and, and for him so he created them for his glory but then things went sideways because they also, like us, had free will. So, one of these beings that God created, his name was Shining One or Morning Star, or in Latin, we're mostly familiar with his name in Latin, which is Lucifer. This was a beautiful leader angel or archangel. Archangel just means leader angel. He was a cherub in his nature. And There are several passages of scripture that talk about him. One of them is Ezekiel 28, and the other is Isaiah 14. And in these passages, what Bible scholars believe happened is the the prophet began prophesying against an earthly king, and then early on realized, wait a minute, that's not the king, that's Satan. Satan. Or either Satan possessing him, okay, because evil spirits sometimes will possess people. On, in two occasions in the scripture, we, re, we, hear, we read that Satan actually possessed someone. Judas Iscariot and Ananias. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira, that Ananias. And s- angels have the ability to transmutate into physical beings. The guys who showed up at Abraham's tent, the Bible drops this bombshell. One of them was God. The other two that went down to Sodom and Gomorrah were angels. Okay, they looked like men. Uh, The scriptures tell us that we have actually shown hospitality to angels and we didn't know it. So if there was a guy sitting in the audience who was seven foot tall and white with wings, you would know he was probably an angel. Well, if you've entertained angels and didn't know it, they didn't look like an angel. So here is this man, and the prophet is speaking against him, and then he realizes, wait a minute, this is Satan, because the king of Tyre wasn't in the Garden of Eden. And he goes on to talk about him being very beautiful and having musical instruments built into his body because he was a cherub, and the cherubim of doxos, it, it tells us, the cherubim of praise, part of their role was, was in praise and worship in heaven. And if you keep on reading, it talks about this cherub who was very beautiful and, and he was a leader, he was a covering cherub and then he became proud and he became violent and, and this was the big thing, he wanted to be God. At least he wanted to be equal with God. Isaiah 14, 14, he said, I will be like the most high. What was he thinking? I mean, he was a created, finite being, but pride is a great deceiver. And those who indulge in prideful thoughts eventually begin to think of themselves more highly than they ought to think. And I think he thought he could be like God. And so he launched an attack to overthrow God's kingdom. At least piecing this together, it seems that this is what he did. He took, he recruited a third of the angels. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 4, I don't have that one listed here, but he sought to overthrow the kingdom of God. Revelation 12:4. his tail drew a thaw, third of the stars of heaven. That's where that comes from. He has many disguises. He come, came as a serpent one time. Here he comes as a dragon. His, the worst of his disguises, I think, is when he comes as an angel of light. He pretends to be pure and transparent and believable when Jesus said he's been a murderer from the start. But here he drew a third of the stars of heaven. Stars and angels are used interchangeably in the Bible. And... This was the first Star Wars, okay? I hope God has it taped, because I want to chill out in heaven one day and, and watch it, okay? War broke out in heaven. This, scholars believe, was a flashback, because a lot of revelation relates to now and the future, but this apparently was a flashback to something that took place many years ago. War broke out in heaven. This isn't the final battle, because the final battle is Jesus himself, not Michael, Coming on a white horse on his thigh will be inscribed faithful and true. It's going to happen, okay? The final battle when Satan is defeated once and forever. But this was another battle. It was Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon was sent to the earth. He couldn't carry out what he'd accomplished. Jesus, remembering this event, said in Luke ten eighteen, I saw Satan fall from the sky like lightning. His agenda, what is his agenda? His ultimate goal is world domination. That's what he wants. He wants to rule this world. But the kingdoms of this world will day one, day, one day become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. Right? But his plan is to rule this planet. He already has his foot in the door. How? Well through our sin, but it started with Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve sinned, it empowered the devil. It caused there to be a problem for every future generation that was yet to be born on earth. But Adam and Eve, I don't think this is what God wanted to have happen. I mean, think about how God stacked the deck for Adam and Eve. God only gave them one bad option. They could eat from any tree in the whole garden and it would have been fine. They chose the one that excluded God, that broke off their relationship with him and empowered Satan on the earth. He gained a foothold and a greater authority over creation, like I said, in our lives as well. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is taken after his baptism in the Jordan River near Jericho. He's taken into the wilderness and guess who shows up satan shows up and he tries to trick jesus and his trickery his deception is not just lying it's lies mixed with truth okay and he even used scripture out of context right and every time he did though jesus came back with the logos the written word of god and he said no that's not true for it is written in the middle of it Satan takes Jesus up on a high mountain and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he says, all this I'll give to you if you bow down and worship me because this has been given to me and I give it to whomever I wish. And you're waiting for Jesus to go, that's also a lie. This does not belong to you. But friends, Jesus did not refute that statement. Who gave this to him? Now remember, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. But God's strategy, it's a crazy strategy. He wants to use us to bring his kingdom to this earth. Okay? And, and that's what he's called us to do. But, but we are at a little bit of a disadvantage without Christ. With Christ, we can do all things. But without him, because the devil has a foothold in this world. A lot of the things we see are instigated by him. Satan is not infinite. God is infinite. What what does the word infinite mean? Unlimited. That's what it means. People say eternal, well that's part of it. He has no beginning or end, but it means that he is unlimited. God is infinite. The devil is not infinite. He's finite. He's limited. He doesn't know everything. He can't be everywhere at once. He's not all powerful. These are the main ways in which God is unlimited. In his knowledge, in his presence, and in his power. Satan is not. We see this in the first chapter of Job. Job chapter 1, verse 7. God says, from where have you come? He wasn't everywhere at once. Verse 8. Have you considered my servant Job? He hadn't considered him. He doesn't know everything. He, in fact, you know what? He can't read your thoughts either. 1 Kings, we don't have that here, but 1 Kings 839, God says that he alone knows the thoughts of men's hearts. Now, this, Satan can put thoughts in your mind. That's why he's given us discernment. God's given us discernment to go, I'm not going to think those thoughts. But Satan can't read your mind. He doesn't know everything. And he's not all powerful. In verse 10, he said, Well, I can't touch Job because you've put a hedge around him. Okay, so Satan is a finite created being. One day when we see him, we're going to say, Is this the one? Is this the one who deceived the nations? Okay, but, but he, he's more powerful than we are. The key is that we go in Jesus' name. But this is the reality of the battle that's going on. Let's never forget 1 John 4.4. Greater is the one who is in you than the one who's in the world. And I don't want to ruin it for you, but I read the end of the book and we win. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But for now, we're in the middle of this dogfight, in the middle of this battle. And Satan is empowered in different places more than in others. All you have to do, all you have to do is travel to realize that. You go to places where there is great loneliness. I've felt it personally going to places like Tokyo or... or lust in Amsterdam or materialism in other places or anger, just feeling irritated. And it's not me. One time I remember I was in West Africa and I was terrified for my life and I'm not normally a fearful person. And then I realized when I left, there was a spirit of fear in the place. He's empowered by the evil acts of human beings in those places. He mobilizes his forces Satan does according to groups of people, which is demography, races, people, cultures, and geography. Those two. That's how he mobilizes his forces. Carl Jung, Swiss psychiatrist during World War II, wrote something that I believe was very perceptive. He said, A God has taken possession of the Germans talking about Nazi Germany. They had given themselves over because of Hitler and his regime. And I want to tell you something sobering. As someone who was not born in this nation, I want to tell you this nation is the epicenter of a spiritual battle right now for control of this nation. I'm telling you, it is. Why? Why? Why would the enemy want to target this nation? And it's because this nation is a leader and when a leader falls, there's a ripple effect that, that impacts many other people. When a spiritual leader falls, that happens. When a nation falls, it has the same impact. But it's geographical. If you've studied the history of revival, revival is geographical too. I mean, we call it by geographical names like the Welsh Revival or the Azusa Street Revival. And spiritual forces also are mobilized through groupings of people and territory. Here's an example. Jesus is sailing to the other side of the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. The devil doesn't want him to get there because a storm arises. Jesus rebukes the storm. He wouldn't have rebuked something that had come from God. What was significant was this is the greatest deliverance in the whole New Testament. He gets to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and a Demon possessed man comes down from the burial tombs in Gadara, and Jesus said, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for we are many. <laughs> and then this is the very next thing he asked them Mark 5 10. The demons begged Jesus, Don't send us out of this territory, or well, it's, it's this country, but the word here is Korah, which is land or geographical location. Don't send us out of here. Why was it important for them to stay in that area? Because it's geographical. And there are places where the enemy targets and we're being targeted right now. And so the battle, there's a battle behind the battle. God is calling us to win this battle. I'm not talking politics right now. I'm talking beyond this for this nation, for the spiritual investment and inheritance of the United States. It's at stake right now. Can you sense that? Can you, could you know that that's the case in your spirit? There's a battle and prayer and spiritual warfare is how we're going to win this, not in the natural. So God has a strategy to win the battle. Praise God. He always has a strategy, Right. And our God is the living God, so he speaks to us. So how do you know God's strategy? Well, you ask him. Okay? So I want to tell you, I believe from asking the Lord, this is his strategy. He wants to use the church. You guys. Me. Us. I mean, look around the room. God, what are you thinking? (laughs) That was a joke. Sorry. That was an attempt at humor. Why would God want to use us. Why not the angels? I mean, we were made lower than the angels, right? Even Jesus in his human outer body was made lower than the angels. Angels are more powerful than we are. And you know what? There are millions of them because we're told in the scriptures the number of the angels is 10,000 times 10,000. That's 100 million. If you do the math, there are at least 100 million angels around us that are more powerful than us. <laughs> they are sent to assist us, to fight alongside of us, to protect us. I have the privilege of of being part of a, a ministry that actually has come out of faith, uh, where it started with with one of one of the guys in this church, where he was. Uh, wanting to have, wanting to highlight uh, great men of God in history. And so this is for the guys especially, okay? There are 365 podcasts. They're all about five minutes long. It's totally free. It's called 365christianmen.com. And it's amazing. Every one of these stories is just riveting, and you can listen to it on your way to work. Uh, And I would just encourage you to to listen to this. It's impacted my life. Let me tell you of one of the guys. So I got to read about one guy called John Patton. Joel Carpenter has been doing all these recordings. And I said, Joel, I've got to read this guy because I know about him. John Patton was a missionary to the New Hebrides. Vanuatu today. Back then it was called the New Hebrides. John Patton and his wife began to minister. But the natives were warriors and they got really upset and they wanted to get rid of him. One night, they surrounded his missionary headquarters with torches intent on burning it down. These are the types of stories that are in this, these podcasts. And Pastor Patton and his wife prayed through the night. Two in the morning, they look out. They still haven't come there. Three, four, five in the morning. About six in the morning, it starts to get light. The warriors left. About a year later, the chief comes to Christ. And remembering what had happened, Pastor Patton asked the chief, what kept you from burning our house down? And the chief said, well, who were those men you had with you there? And he said, we had no men. It was just my wife and me. No, no. There were all these large men in armor with drawn weapons standing around the outside, and we couldn't get any closer. <laughs> Woo, that's the reality. Let me tell you. Every one of us has an angel, at least one. Every children, Jesus said, don't revile them. Their angels are always seeing the face of my father. Okay, this is the reality. The world doesn't know what to do with this. They go, you guys are real kind of spooky and weird, okay? No, this is the reality the Bible puts forth. And yet, the angels are assisting us, but we're the ones who are supposed to take the lead. In Romans sixteen twenty, the point is clear. God could crush Satan whenever he wants, but he wants to crush him under your feet, okay? You and I have a part in this. So, how? Everyone say, how? Okay, let me tell you how. I'll give you three weapons, because we don't have a lot of time, okay? So here, here are three of the incredible weapons we have. The first one is called discernment. Discernment is like spiritual night vision goggles. What an exciting weapon this is. It's the ability to see Okay, what many other people are not seeing. It's a prophetic gift. In the Old Testament, a prophet was originally called what? A seer. Okay. This is the gift of discernment. It's seeing what is really going on, not just as things appear. God wants to give us this gift. So here's an example. 2 Kings 6, 15 and 17. The servant of Elisha saw the enemy surrounded, surrounding them, and he freaked out, and he told the prophet. But the prophet saw the angels of the Lord, and he said, Lord, open the eyes of the boy. And when God opened his eyes, he could see that the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around them. In Ephesians 6.18, he tells us to be watchful. That's the gift of discernment to this end. To pray for others. Discernment and prayer have to be coupled together. Because you don't want to just pray according to your own desires. Because you're missing the point. You want to pray what's on God's mind and heart. So, the second weapon. Prayer. Persistent, unified prayer. This is powerful. Luke 18.1. Especially for men. Because we struggle with praying. We want to get off and do stuff. Women pray a lot more. Jesus said, listen... Men, you need to pray and not lose heart. Don't be discouraged. Why would we be discouraged? We get discouraged because prayers are not answered immediately. They take time. So you pray and you pray. Something, though, is happening in the heavenlies. This was the case in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel begins to pray because he knew the prophecy that the children of Israel would be captive in Babylon for 70 years, and 68 to 69 years in, this is when this happened. They're praying, he's praying, he's fasting, a week, nothing's happening. Well, something was happening, he just couldn't see it. Have you prayed and felt like nothing's happening? Listen, something is probably happening. Two weeks, 17, 18, 19 days, 20. On the 21st day, Gabriel arrives on the scene, out of breath, with some angel blood on his forehead. I might have made that part up. Uh, But this is what he said. He said, Daniel, the first day you started praying, God sent me. Now, don't you think if God sent an archangel, it would have just happened right away? Well, it still took three weeks. And this wasn't Satan. It was one of his lieutenants called the Prince of Persia, withstood him, and Michael had to come and help him. And then, you know, when you put history on top of this book, you see some amazing things. Within two years of this event, the greatest kingdom of that day collapsed. It was overthrown. The Neo-Babylonian Empire came to an end. It was the year 539 BC. What a coincidence. It was no coincidence. It's that now Babylon was no longer under the control of the prince of Persia. And the will of God began to happen. And the children of Israel were released because the new king said, Who are these slaves? They said they were the slaves of the former king. He said, Let him go home. And that was the end of their diaspora. This is where the battle is won. It's on our knees. So prayer. Prayer is so powerful. And the last thing is repentance. I don't know what the future holds, but I know what can impact the outcome of the future. And this is one of those things. It's repentance. God said in 2 Chronicles 7.14, Now, someone might say, but how do you get a whole nation to repent? You don't. You don't have to get the whole nation to repent. You just have to get the church to repent. Because it's if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. God says, I will heal their land. I want to tell you the significance of this is found in the previous verse. Verse 13 tells us when there are droughts. We're in a drought right now. When there is a plague. Okay, then God says, but if my people will humble themselves and pray, this is where the battle is won or lost. Right before Daniel chapter 10, in Daniel 9, Daniel confessed his sin and the sins of the people. I want to close by telling you a story that's a true story. I was with a group of YWAMers in Cordoba, Argentina, 300 of us had come to do evangelism. No one was stopping and listening to us. It was fallow ground. And then God gave us a strategy. Tomorrow morning, can you pull up Daniel 9 again, that verse? Uh, Daniel 9, 20. We went into the city square, because the Argentine people are very proud people, and God led us to confess our own pride and prejudice and any other sins. And then we confessed out loud the pride and prejudice of the Argentine people. And I wish someone had taped this because the next day, hundreds of people were coming to us. People were coming to Christ. It was unbelievable as we confessed. Now, we could not repent on their behalf. Daniel could not repent on behalf of the nation. But he could confess their sin by acknowledging, God, I acknowledge that we've sinned against you. Please, would you show mercy and not bring judgment? And that's how we need to pray because there's so much at stake right now. And as someone who is not an American, uh, I want to tell you I am an American now, Australian and American, uh, but God has invested something in this nation that is very special And the enemy hates that. This nation, currently, as a missions leader, there are so many people who have been impacted all over the world through missions being sent out and funded from the United States. Uh, There is is just something, a deposit God has put here that the enemy hates. And so I'd like to just ask if we could stand together. Uh, If you have a Bible, uh, if you could turn with me to Jeremiah 18. If you don't have a Bible, just scoot over next to a Christian and read along. Uh, Okay, I think there are Bibles in front of you. Or you can just listen. But Jeremiah 18, I want to tell you, God can do in seconds what men have been trying to do for years. Okay? He says, verse 7, the instant, okay, that's right away. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to pluck it up and to pull it down and to destroy it. If, everyone say if, if, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent, that's the word turn as well, of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. So would you pray with me, would you repeat after me, Lord, we don't deserve your mercy. We deserve your judgment. We've turned from your ways. We've gone our own way, even though our way leads to destruction. But you're a God who is faithful, even when we are faithless. So as your people today, we turn back to you. We pray on behalf of our nation turn your face toward us again guide us through the night with your light so I never heard this anthem before I I came to the US but could we sing this together God bless America, land that I love. Do this, Lord. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies. From the mountains to the prayer, to the oceans, to the oceans, wide with foam. God bless America. My
0: thank and bless Peter and Linda today for being such a blessing to our church. One way we can be a blessing to them, and this will also be a huge blessing to you and your family. He has a book uh, that he just put out, and some of it he talked about today that goes so much more in depth. It's so great. Uh, It's out in the atrium. You can pick it up today. And he also wanted me to let you know that if you're kind of in a time right now of financial difficulty, he doesn't want that to uh prevent you from getting it he just wants you to take one if that happens to be your situation today also so go do that once you do that today once you pick one of those up and another one maybe for a friend also we're gonna have prayer partners down here uh, to meet and pray and believe with you if you need anything in your life uh god answers all kinds of prayers big prayers small prayers they're all important to him So once you come down, these prayer partners are here to pray and believe and they'd be honored to pray and believe with you. Can we we pray before we leave? Lord, thank you for today. Lord, we pray that as we walk out of these doors, Lord, we would be an extension of your hands and feet to this community. Lord, we just wanna thank you for the opportunity to meet with this wonderful family and this wonderful church to lift you up, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you bless every single person this week as they walk in your victory lord we give you all the honor and all the praise and all the glory that you deserve and everybody said a strong amen on a sunday morning we'll see you next sunday we love you church we love you